Well, welcome to We've Been Watching with Claire Woodward and David Stevenson. How's your viewing week been, Claire? Any joy or just all despair? Oh, well, I mean, it's been uh, it's been interesting, actually, Re more. Um, I mean, telly's been OK, but I mean, I've just been fascinated reading this week about the Netflix figures, you know, when people are, are uh, turning off their subscriptions. Um, and I'm just wondering why. I know it's incredible, isn't it? I think most people were shocked by it, except for probably older audiences who are still stuck on Channel 5. But I mean, I didn't feel that uh, it would it would ever happen to Netflix, but maybe Netflix have got a bit complacent. Well, this is what I was wondering. I mean, because I've been, you know, A, I'm so old, I used to get Netflix DVDs through the post. I think that remarks me out <laughs> as a particularly special person. But I mean, also, there is very little to, I mean, I find very little to attract my attention. You know, I flick through and I just think, I don't want to watch this. So really, they've got to get programmes that people absolutely have to watch now, don't they? They do. And I think they did They did spoil Bridgerton in a way. I mean, I know we talked about how, I mean, he was this very raunchy, racy period drama with bright colours and, uh, and modern casting, uh, which in the second series became a little bit anodyne and, and a bit prudent and prurient. I mean, I, did, I didn't really understand what they were trying to do with it. And that doesn't really help when you have probably the most watched period drama of all time suddenly becoming something different in the second series who would do that nobody wants to do that do they people want largely want more of the same because they liked it the first time round. no exactly i mean i suppose the 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 only card they still have to play if if they're looking for one to play to boost audiences is harry and megan are back on the scene Oh, yes, the Invictus Games. I mean, they've got Netflix cameras, you know, trailing around them. Unfortunately, they couldn't make it into the meeting with the Queen, uh, where Harry's obviously doing his best to protect the dear old lady. But um, at least that will offer Netflix something, A, you can't get anywhere else, and B, some value for money, because I'm not sure what their development deal was worth. But it won't be, it won't be 25p in a bag of crisps, will it? No, definitely no pork scratchings. But I wonder if I wonder if um, any veterans feel a little bit exploited because, of course, Harry is now earning a lot of money on the back of the Invictus Games with a documentary based upon them. I hope there's being a, uh, there's going to be a nice, sizable donation to charity. Yes, that would be very nice, wouldn't it? I mean, I mean, I don't know if you've talked about this before, but um, Harry and Meghan have a deal to do podcasts with Spotify as well, and they've only done one so far. And, you know, bearing in mind how little Spotify play musicians and artists are streaming, um, I, I would hope that Spotify, uh, you know, will also be asking for, you know, can, can we have some content, please, like you're giving Netflix? Um, yeah. You know. Absolutely. I mean, if they did do a genuine podcast between Harry and Meghan, that would actually be quite revealing and quite amusing for everybody. If it was unproduced, you know, Harry and Meghan Raw. Yeah, well, a bit like this, a bit like a bit like our podcast, David. A bit rough around the edges. But I mean, what would they say anyway? You know, I mean, Harry coming out with things like, you know, if you don't like your job, just leave it. You'll feel a lot better. Well, I'm sure, you know, we'd all be running away from our jobs if we felt like that. You know, what can they really say that would actually um really resonate with people? I mean, all they've got is controversy, isn't it? 
They have. I mean, all they can do is say, or we'll, we'll say nothing about either his father or his brother. And that's, well, it certainly makes headlines. But he chooses not to say anything, which I find really weird. And then does a throwaway line queen as well i mean he's terribly good at getting a headline harry he i mean i know he hates the press but my goodness he knows how to work them absolutely and it does make you wonder you know who is advising them actually because they're pretty good and maybe buckingham palace should start appointing better advisors um or perhaps we should just here's me with my republican hat on abolish the monarchy in the first place there you go absolutely Ooh. and um, harry and Meghan, the last royals <laughs> but you know they America loves them um and they're they're very sort of american style gung ho people but um i do i will i will i um think they will save Netflix not quite no they would have done that already wouldn't they well let's mm. move on to t v that's already been made and being shown um the Thief, His Wife and the Canoe on ITV on Sunday night. That was their sort of Easter special, seeing a sort of middle-aged man paddle out to the middle of nowhere in the channel um, to take some insurance money. <laughs> I mean, and again, you know, it's one of these stories that, I, I, I mean, I thought it was... I thought it was enjoyable, but do we not know this story quite well already? We do. I mean, because I did... Unusually, I, I did some research, or my researcher did it for me, and found out that the story the story had been on BBC Four in 2010 with two really good actors, Bernard Hill and Saskia Reeves. So it wasn't a throwaway piece. And, we, and we've had at least three faking death plot lines on soaps. So even on Hollyoaks, I mean, if something's been on Hollyoaks, I mean, it's everywhere, isn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, let us not forget Reginald Perrin. Um, you know, doing a Reginald Perrin on the beach and then running away. Um, and, and I mean, also, this went out over four nights, didn't it, this week? And then at the end of that, there was a documentary called The Real, The Canoe, The Bloke, The 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 Thief, The, the Wife and His Lover, The Paddle. Um, and then we got it rehashed again, in, in, in fact. And I just thought enough already, really. I um, mean, I thought it was, you know, it was written by Chris Lang uh, of um, Unforgotten Fame. Who, and I just A thought... Favourite of ours, favourite of ours, yes, Chris Lang. We like him and it was very well written and really well performed. But again, it falls into the category of, um, I think we know this already and tell me something I don't already know. Well, there wasn't really a new angle to it. I mean, I couldn't see any angle at all. I mean, really, I suppose because we had a narration from Monica Dolan's character and Darwin, uh, we had her narrative and what she was thinking. So the drama was trying to give us more of an insight into her role. And mm. undoubtedly she was being coerced, but also because she was so involved with the case for such a long time, she had plenty of opportunity to go to the police. I mean, she must have really... What was really stopping her picking up the phone? I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. So I don't really see that as a genuine case from her point of view that um, that he had stopped her from and going to the police. Absolutely. I mean, he just seemed a bit of a tit, really. And, you know, that that's not a crime, uh, certainly not in my book. And also I thought, 
oh, you know, that that door that's leading from her bedroom to the flat next, the house next door, that looks really obvious. Why didn't anybody think that looks like a connecting door? Um, because it had a big frame around it that, that basically screamed, look at me, I'm a connecting door. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, there's a lot that's daft about it, but I don't think that's enough to really justify doing i mean especially since you had i mean it's the i know we talk about this but it's the families of these crimes that have to sit around and see the misery repeated i mean the two sons who had who falsely grieve for their wicked father basically mm-hmm. um and then they're seeing it again i mean we've got another we've got a crime writer uh, mark billingham who's doing another show on the moore's murderers uh oh. in a couple of weeks and I exactly it's grown, grown. Leave these, leave these, these families have suffered enough. They don't need their their um their whole cases paraded before the TV public yet again. What what angle is Billingham taking on this one? I haven't seen what the angle is, but I'm oh, very right. interested. But... And, I, and I and I sort of think why why are we getting we're getting crime writers involved in true crime? I mean, which sounds an obvious thing, but I mean, surely, have they run out of ideas? Well, <laughs> you could say that. I couldn't possibly comment. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there are, um, you know, there, there are lots of channels, if you sort of go further down the Freeview box, um, which have so much crime on them, you know, the sort of Quest channels, the Discovery channels. There is so much crime on them. It just seems like there's an endless appetite. You know, podcasts, there's so many popular crime podcast um and i kind of wonder yeah i mean have we run out of stories i mean you know every if every time i see another documentary about the truth about the craze i die a little bit inside because i think we we know that they weren't very nice i know Um, if we get the whole gentleman (laughs) if we get the whole gentleman criminal thing again i think i'm gonna dress up in the cray outfit and walk into the river frankly <laughs> exactly we'll go for a pint up the blind beggar and do the podcast from there pretending to be the cray twins david that'll be a laugh yeah. <laughs> god i hope we're not mistaken for them we? <laughs> yeah well you know I, I i i quite enjoy nailing someone's feet to the floor i think it'd be a right laugh so i'm up for it yeah <laughs> good well I, i'm going to give that one star because i just could not get on with it at all no, I mean, I, I would give it two because I love Eddie Marsan and I, we got to see his bare bottom, which was lovely. Moving on, something with a little bit more joy attached to it was Yorkshire Midwives on Call. I mean, if that was done by Carry On, it would be a completely different film, wouldn't it? Yes, exactly. I mean, I must admit, I'm I, as a person who doesn't have children, I'm a bit cold to maternity documentaries. Um, I'm, I'm not heartless, but um, I just think the BBC thought, oh, real life midwives, call the midwife. Yes, let's have another um, back of the ambulance series. And, you know, it is warm. I mean, there was this nice couple on it, wasn't there, who, um, who met through a World War II recreation group. Um, who were having a baby and I, I read about that and I just thought oh you know is, is, is just one of them dress up as a Nazi uh, but obviously they <laughs> didn't <laughs> me and my Nazi baby <laughs> quick sign that up for a Channel 5 series um, so they were they were lots of fun and I the midwives watched, I think you watched the different, the different episodes in the different time zone 
<laughs> oh right, I, I watched the second one. Maybe maybe I'm an episode ahead. I watched the one with the two junior doctors who I was quite intrigued with because, of course, on oh, number one, I thought doctors were too tired to be bothering with any sort of thing like this. And number mm. two, they weren't <laughs> even bothering to go to their own hospital, which I thought didn't say much for the hospital. <laughs> well, we're all worried about maternity care after all the scandals. But uh, I, I, I just think uh, medical documentaries I generally enjoy. Um, but I just think... Um, Again, with 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 it, it's enough already. Can we have some originality? I suppose this was original, original because it was midwives going out in cars, as opposed to um, one born every minute, which is set in, in a maternity hospital. Um, yeah, and also, also it was home births as well. I thought hmm. that was the the intriguing thing of introducing uh, a, what is a large paddling pool in someone's front room. <laughs> 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 was intriguing, particularly when the sort of siblings to be were jumping around in the pool as well, you know, including a partner at one point. I'm thinking, God, what, whatever next? Yeah, this is very unhygienic. Yes, kind of thing. And then the midwives, but... the midwives, I thought it was incredible. Not only would they help to clean up, they then cook tea for you as well. I mean, no one will go near a hospital ever again. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's taking the delivery concept to the NHS, isn't it? You know, they deliver your baby. They, well, you know, you've heard about cooking the placenta afterwards and eating it. Maybe they should do that. Oh, the, the, well, you say that. And the whole thing about cutting the cord and this sort of handyman in the episode I watched going, oh, I'm good at cutting the cord. <laughs> <laughs> Was he an electrician by trade? You know, yes. <laughs> But I mean, it, but the television's been full of full of births this week as well, hasn't it? Particularly with uh, life after life, where a baby was born about twelve times. I know. I don't know whether that's luck or or loss, really. I mean, that was a really intriguing piece. I mean, I haven't read it. It's a Kate Atkinson novel adapted. I thought um, it was beautifully done, beautifully shot. Mm. Um, but I don't know if you'd come to it without knowing what it was. You might have thought it was. Um, a bit of a gimmick, but there was some really good performances in it. I thought. Yes, I thought so. I mean, I, there were moments where I just thought, you know, um, this is a little bit grim when you sort of keep seeing um, a little girl being born and then dies as a baby and then dies as a five-year-old and then dies of influenza. Uh, it. it it did feel a little bit grim, but the, one of the great things that kept me going was it felt different and it felt it felt fresh and it felt, as you say, intriguing. You didn't know what to expect. And I thought that was one of the joys about it. You know, you weren't going to see somebody um, having an affair in a, in a glamorous kitchen. No, it was very different. And also, was it interesting that it was a really well-to-do Edwardian family, wasn't it, as well, who were plagued by bad luck, seemingly, mm, or, was mm. that, or was that just the time? So that was interesting to see. But it did have yeah. that, that really sort of visceral impending doom about it. Like as soon as anybody went outside, you thought they were going to be decapitated or something. You know, some, <laughs> yes, something yes, I felt... You're absolutely right, David. I felt very much like that. I mean, I just kept skipping bits because I thought I can't face another dead child. But I found it very moving when the father turned up at the end of the war all in one piece. In fact, I was in tears. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. 
Um, no, but then, lovely, although I, I quite expected there was going to be a German turn up in his place. That would have been better. <laughs> yeah, and then you saw, you know, the the you know what happened in the in you know the prelude to World War Two, where Ursula and her brother were talking about him going off to you know fight in the RAF. Um, I mean, it's it's not a barrel of laughs for a Sunday night. Uh, was it Sunday I night? No, it was Tuesday, wasn't it? Tuesday. I just wonder if it might get a little bit samey because of the structure. I mean, the structure is really inventive, and it's a it's an inventive way of telling a story. But you mm. get a lot more of a story when you read a book that's got a sort of repetitive structure like that. And I just wonder on TV whether we might be going, well, here we go. He's, he's getting oh, I, the I, liberal now. use for me of the 20 second fast forward button um, on the iPlayer, <laughs> I have to say, uh, because I kind of knew what was going to happen. But uh, my sister recommended me the book. She thinks it's wonderful. And she thinks, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people who have read the book have said it's a very good adaptation. So, um, but it, it just struck me as something so different. And so, um, as you say, the structure is great and it looks wonderful that, you know, I'll, I'll certainly be going back um, because I, make, I'm just make, curious. Yeah, absolutely. Did it make you think of, of moments in your own life when you'd been faced with your maker? <laughs> constantly I mean you know the whole thing is you know uh if only and it's like you know oh if only I hadn't done this if only I hadn't done that you know it's made it's made me relive several moments you know where you just where your ears turn red thinking about them and you just wish the ground would open up and die but maybe I'll write a tv series about that and just call it if only there was more time traveling um I suppose you could call that life after lifetime travelling um, <laughs> in Doctor in Doctor Who. Although um, this was probably one of the good episodes of Doctor Who I think I've ever watched, really, because it was um, it was called Legend of the Sea Devil. But within moments, we had pretty trashy CGI and <laughs> probably the worst version of Pirates of the Caribbean ever. Unless um, I mean, they could have reprised a bit of. Johnny Depp, that might have gone down with people as a sort of topical reference. But <laughs> otherwise, that was an hour that I, that I completely lost and won't get back. So I'd quite like that return to the BBC, frankly. Oh, so where, where are we standing in, um, uh, in the last um, throws of a Lady Doctor Who? Is this like the penultimate episode? That's with her, so we saw her start yeah. to uh, regenerate or degenerate. I don't know what the early part of it's called. Probably regenerate. She started to regenerate um, quite seriously in the trailer for the next episode, for the next final mm -hmm. episode. Um, <laughs> but we yet don't know. I'm wondering if if dried up with applicants and they haven't got anybody who wants to do it. I mean, I wonder if we, that's another one for Johnny Depp, isn't it? Really. Oh, I think I think he'd make a really good Doctor Who. Yeah, he actually he would be brilliant, wouldn't he? Yeah, or, or, or given the sort of amount of feces talked in court this week, maybe you'd have to be Doctor Poo. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it's. I think it's really interesting the idea of a female Doctor. I mean, I I stopped caring a while back. Uh, but I think she's been interesting. And I mean, I think in the fact that, you know, admits all the sea devils, she admitted to um, sort of, you know, having a, having a, you know, being in love with another woman. Um, I suppose that was inevitable, really. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over it. But I, I think it would be exciting when Russell T Davies 
takes over again because I think there's just something mischievous and um, ab about him and his work. Yeah, he's very inventive, and I just really do hope he gets the budget for it. This is the problem. I mean, if I mean Stephen Fry once said it was a children's drama only Doctor Who, and people were sort of jumping up and down saying, oh, God, that's awful. How could he say that? Because Russell T. Davis had tried to take it more to the mature side, and he had mature mm. themes in there, which was a good thing. But there, well, the problem now is I really don't know, is it a grown-up drama or is it children's, or is it a sort of half-grown-up children's drama? It doesn't really know what it is anymore. I know, and it brings into question the whole nature of, you know, there always used to be a family tea time drama, didn't there, on on sort of Sunday afternoons. Um, and, you know, Doctor Who, I always saw it as a family show because it was on a Saturday afternoon. Um, I mean, you know, do you think maybe someone like, I don't know, Netflix or Amazon Prime could put some money into it and do a co-production with the BBC and just, you know, zhuzh it up a bit? I think that's a great idea because, I mean, someone was only telling me today that in terms of demographics, only 30% of younger, younger people are still watching the main linear channels, the main free-to-air channels. So they're not going to find it uh, on normal television anyway. So, I mean, maybe if they brought in one of the broadcasters that's just a bit more fleet of foot, it might mm. be better for the show. I mean, something needs to happen with it because it, the writing, I think, is is pretty poor and the direction is not great so if you have all you have these components that are just a bit woolly around the edges the final product you can just see holes in it everywhere well finally should we have a look at your favorite show inside number nine inside number nine well um you know after months of slagging it off um oh, i really oh, enjoyed oh, oh, oh yes I really enjoyed the new one. Hey. Which Why? was called which was called Merrily Merrily, wasn't it? And it involved um four uh four characters on a pedalo. On a pedalo or a pedolo, as <laughs> Steve Pemberton's character who was dyslexic calls it. I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was that was joke of the week, really, to be honest. It's really nicely done, actually, a reunion story on a pedalo. That's the sort of idea that these guys come up with. I was completely compelled by this whole thing, just in the way the characters work together. And, you know, there were good there were good jokes. I mean, there were a good half a dozen top gags in half an hour. I mean, I know mm. we talk, we've talked before, it's the short story format on TV, but it had Diane Morgan in it from Motherland. She was great, I thought. And Mark Ader's coming back to sort of have the whole League of Gentlemen reunion between the three of them. And they're yeah, like and I... old mates getting together in the pub. That's what it sort of felt like to me. Yeah, that's why it felt so nice together, you know. And I mean, I think Diane Morgan is absolutely wonderful. I mean, I really love Mandy that she does that. That sort of short on um, BBC Two. I think she's got really funny bones. And... Um, yeah, they all work so well together, and it, you know, it, there was there was a, you know, a deal of pathos um, in it in the end. Um, Is that why? You, do you think that's why you liked it a bit more? It had a little bit more guts to it. Yeah, it just seemed a little bit. It had for me uh, a bit more heart because I mean, I I know you know it, it's comedy and it can be quite flippant, and 
Um, I remember in the last series, there was a, a, a one they did, which is based on um, Commedia dell'arte, which I thought was a bit up itself. But I thought this had really heart, real, real heart and, and sadness and pathos. And as you say, a lot of good jokes, which is frankly all I want from a half, a half hour um, comedy. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, just a word before we go about next week there's a new comedy on BBC One I think called Here We Go and it's um, an attempt at a multi-generational family sitcom and I think it actually works it's got um, Jim Howick and Alison Stedman in Alison Stedman playing Jim Howick's mother so she's the granny figure sitting around um, and I do recommend it I reckon it's a good full four stars really straight off so it, I don't know whether you, you might have caught it. It was actually uh, piloted during the pandemic and I had a sort of story about a family going to the seaside and it's all filmed by one of the sons on his own little handheld. So it's got that sort of structural side to it, which is really nice. Oh, well, that's well. good. I mean, you know, and it does feel sort of contemporary. I mean, I, you know, I'm excited about this because, I mean, you know, I think we do need some, you know, uh, sitcom, some interesting sitcom. And um, I think this 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 could be maybe the new My Family, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of that. Not quite as tightly written as My Family, but um, it's definitely, I would say, there's a couple of, I mean, a good half a dozen belly laughs in the first episode. And I, people people really like Jim Howick, and I think this is one of the funniest things he's done. I think he, I mean, people love Ghosts, which has done well, but I mm. think his character is funny, funnier than that character, although... Archery as he gets involved. It was like every. Or every... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Jim will now make a guest guest appearance on Radio Four on the Archers just to just to round things off. But no, I mean that sounds great. And and again, it sounds something like you know all different generations will find something fun to watch in it. And if it's got that good a belly laugh ratio, uh, you know, sounds perfect. So until next week on We've Been Watching, um, thank you all for listening and drop us a line because um, we'd love to hear from you wherever you are in the world. Yes, we, we have noticed a spike in America, haven't we? So uh, if you're important and you live in America, please give us a TV series. Absolutely. We'd love to do. What happens in a TV series? I've got no idea. Uh, we'll work it out, David. It'll be fine. Until next week. Thanks, Claire. Bye.